the dream is the conversation that you're having with yourself concerning a very specific current issue that you are attempting to problem solve. And the great news is that you figure out what you want to do about something that's bugging you this week, and the solution comes to you, obviously, in your unconscious before it gets to your conscious. If only you understand what the heck you're trying to say to yourself, and that's where I come in. And so she might dream about a cat if she's going out with a guy who she thinks she's in love with, and actually he's not really good for her, and that would be her unconscious mind getting her in touch with what's what she's really feeling. But six basic questions that you can ask yourself so that you can answer what situation in your life this week triggered this morning's dream. Welcome to Beauty Radio Network. Talk radio where we talk with interesting people doing interesting things. Now, I know that might sound cliche, but it's the best way to describe today's episode. I am your host, Deanna Lynn, and speaking of interesting people, today's guest is Lainey Dolphin. Lainey, a dream analyst who founded the Dream Interpretation Center in Montreal in 1997, is also the author of two new books with the same name, Have a Great Dream 1 and Have a Great Dream 2. Now, Lainey believes all dreams have a great meaning, even your nightmares, because they hold the key to solving the problems and challenges currently plaguing you and preventing you from becoming who you were intended to be. Is it possible? Could your dreams hold the solutions to an upsetting problem in your life? Today's guest will provide you with some surprising answers that you need to know that can help you finally solve a problem that has been stressing you out. Today, Lainey is going to show you how to get in touch with your inner voice or subconscious through what you are dreaming, through what your dreams are trying to tell you. By using six entry points, she can help you decode and analyze your dreams. She'll be giving us some great information and some great examples. Her books can be found on Amazon, and if you'd like to browse through her books while listening to today's conversation, I have the links right there in the show notes. Just click on that link, and you can browse her books while listening to today's episode. All right, with that being said, let's go ahead and join Lainey right now. I'd like to introduce you to Lainey Dolphin. Hello, Lainey. Welcome to the network. I'm very excited to have you here today. I think we're going to have a great show. This is quite an interesting topic. I think so, too. Yeah. Lainey, real quick before we get started here, could you tell us the name of your two books? Because I have links in the show notes, and I think maybe the listeners may want to click on those links and browse through your books while they're listening to us today. Uh, Both my books have the same name as my URL, which is Have a Great Dream. And the first book is called Have a Great Dream 
book one, The Overview. And the second one is Have a Great Dream, book two, A Deeper Discussion. Where are you calling in from today? I'm from Montreal, Canada. Oh, okay. So I'm in California. So we're, we're kind of far away from each other here. By the end of the discussion, we'll be a little closer. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. I'll know some of your secret dreams, right? You're right. (laughs) So let's just dive right into this because I know you're a busy lady and I do appreciate you taking the time to share with us today. Uh, So Lainey, what do you call yourself? Are you considered a dream interpreter? No, a dream analyst. How is that different from a dream interpreter or interpreting dreams? In a dream interpreter where you tell somebody your dream and a dream interpreter tells you what your dream is about. Mine is a psychological approach. And so you tell me your dream and I give you the right questions to ask yourself. And then you end up telling me what the dream was about. Okay, so that makes sense. That's the difference between the two. Does what you do involve any psychic abilities? Absolutely none. So we're not really talking about what many people might consider woo. All right, then. So tell us exactly how this works. Okay, well, the most important thing I'll begin with is to say to you that at the first level, the dream is the conversation that you're having with yourself concerning a very specific current issue that you are attempting to problem solve. And the great news is that you figure out what you want to do about something that's bugging you this week, and the solution comes to you, obviously, in your unconscious before it gets to your conscious. If only you understand what the heck you're trying to say to yourself. And that's where I come in. I teach the language of metaphor. And the, so one of the first things I do, because this is the first goal, the first goal is to ask a series of questions, and I have six basic points of entry that I'm going to give you in just a minute, but six basic questions that you can ask yourself so that you can answer what situation in your life this week triggered this morning's dream. And once you tell me what situation triggered the dream, that's when I can teach you what a solution looks like when it comes in the form of a metaphor. Great. Now, of course, I want to get into that a little later on in the show. But right now, I want to ask you, why do you feel we dream? Why, why do you feel that we have to dream to get in touch with our subconscious? We are dreaming because we are problem solving. That's what's going on. And whether you remember your dreams or you don't, you are still going to figure out anyways, because dreaming is just thinking. You're still going to figure out that you want to quit that job or you want to break off that relationship. But if you understand the language of metaphor, you can absolutely propel your problem-solving skills. And so I'll just give you, for example, um, how about... uh, 
um, uh, how about a, a, a feelings point of entry? So that's when you go inside the dream, and you're always doing that anyway. You're going inside the dream, outside the dream. So you ask the person, here's a man who said that he was dreaming. His wife of 20 years was cheating on him. And when I asked him, how did you feel in the dream? He said, betrayed. That's the word the dreamer used. So I come outside the dream and I ask him, what do you think is going on in your life this week? What situation do you think has you feeling betrayed? And that was a client that he also had for 20 years, had taken his business somewhere else. And my question was, because we're talking about solutions, my question was, if you, one of the ways that you can find a solution is by taking the pictures of the dream outside into waking life and making a decision about how you would respond in waking life. And my question was, if your wife was cheating on you, what would you do if that really happened in waking life? Would you just be standing there watching it like you're doing in the dream? And he said, of course not. I'd be speaking up. I would say something. And so now that we hear from the dreamer that his uh, response in the dream doesn't quite fit the situation, he has the solution. The dream is encouraging him to speak up and he was inspired to phone the client and discuss why the business is not happening anymore. So I guess what was really going on with him is he was either worried about speaking up or not sure if he should speak up. Absolutely. And not acknowledging his feelings as well. Right. And, right. and another great easy example is a symbol's point of entry, because you need to throw out those dictionaries. You need to ask the dreamer what it's about. Uh, my youngest daughter, who's 25 years old, absolutely loves cats, but they're not good for her. She's highly allergic and they make her feel claustrophobic. They close up her breathing her breathing potential. And so she might dream about a cat if she's going out with a guy who she thinks she's in love with and actually he's not really good for her. And that would be her unconscious mind getting her in touch with what's what she's really feeling. You know, because consciously, I call this uh, welcome to the human race. We are adept consciously at lying, avoiding, sweeping. That's what we do. It's called the human condition. But your unconscious never lies to you. So she could be walking around thinking she's in love with this guy because she's not looking at what's really going on. You know, and your unconscious lets you know when cats start coming into her dreams, that was a message to her about this person not being good for her. So let me see if I'm understanding this right. A cat symbol to her means something different than maybe what a cat symbol would mean to me. So it has to do with our own personal relationship with that symbol. Well, even even uh, Carl Jung said that, um, you know, the images have to resonate with the dreamer. And so when we're born, from the time we're born, Every single memory and association that you have ever had since you're born is collected in this absolutely remarkable database, or for those of us like myself over 50, I call it a filing cabinet. And the, those 
all those memories and associations are inside your subconscious. And when you want to say something to yourself about a situation that's bugging you this week, the filing cabinet or database opens up and you choose memories and associations to say something to yourself. You know, like before I went on TV for the first time in New York, for example, one of the images I used, I used actually three images to say to myself that I feel frightened. First, I used a ghost. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. And a ghost is a universal symbol. But to me, it means I'm scared. Maybe to somebody else, it means comfort. And then I dreamt I was standing on the abyss of a cliff. To someone else, that might seem exciting. To me, it meant I'm scared. And then closer to the morning, I dreamt about my grade five teacher. And what does that mean? It means I'm scared. So I'm telling myself, because that's another point of entry, is the repetition that we use to try and say something to ourselves. So here I am saying, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. My unconscious is trying to get my conscious to talk about it during the day. And the way that it does that is we repeat ourselves, saying the same thing different ways, using different images. So let's do a little experiment here. Let's do an example between you and me. Good. All right. So I had this recent dream, and we'll talk more about something else later. I had this recent dream that I was standing in front of a sink full of dirty dishes, and there was a shelf above the sink with a goldfish bowl. I picked up the goldfish, and it fell into the dirty water, and I immediately thought, oh, my God, I hope. It doesn't, the dirty water doesn't kill the fish. Although the fish, I looked and the fish looked happy. He was doing okay. So that fear left me. But then when it was time to get him out of the water, he had swam behind some dishes and I couldn't find him. And I had this thought in my mind before I woke up. Oh my God, I hope I can get him out of there okay. How long ago, how long ago did you have the dream? I would say I had it a couple of weeks ago. So I could tell you, because countertransference is unavoidable when you're doing dream analysis, because of the database that I just finished discussing with you. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of look at the plot, which is another point of entry. And I would be asking myself, uh, what's happening? Like, what kind of situation happened recently? It feels like I thought I did something that wasn't going to work out very well. I thought something wasn't going to work out very well. And then somehow it looks like it's okay. Um, But then I did find out, then I'm in trouble again. So there's like a movement in the plot here because I start off by an accident and it's not, there's no fault here. That's what I'm saying to myself because I mean, the fish bowl dropped into the dirty water it wasn't something I did on purpose and I think that's a very poignant part of the discussion here that there's no blame here but I seem to be taking some responsibility for some situation hoping for the best and it looks like it's going to be okay but then I screw it up again because now I can't find the fish can you connect to that kind of uh, movement in your life in the last few weeks I have. I, I've been doubting my abilities. So I'm thinking maybe that it had something to do with that because 
You know, a, a goldfish represents to me, when I think of a goldfish, I think of going to those carnivals where you try to get the goldfish, the ball, the ball and the goldfish. And I wanted to win one so bad and I would win it, but I'd take it home and it would die. And I'd feel so guilty that I couldn't keep it alive. Oh my God. And so that's wonderful, Deanna. <laughs> so you've completely connected to, to the dream. I and, did. Yes. And, um, you know, I, it's like, so I guess you're, you're doubting. It's like, you can't find, uh, you, you can't find it. And so I guess you're relating, you know, here's the, what I think is important is that you say that in your life experience, that sometimes you've won the goldfish, you bring it home and then it dies. Mm -hmm. but, but in the dream, the, the fish survives it survives. It's different than your life experience. There's hope. And so I see that I understand you're having trouble finding him because that's your doubting. You're naming the doubt. But the reality is that the fish is not lost and you find him even inside the dirty water. So whatever it is, those voices that we give ourselves about not being optimistic and uh, trustful of ourself and our capabilities, you seem to be proving to yourself that maybe it's in murky water sometimes, but that goldfish is surviving. Yes, that's exactly right. I think you hit on it. I actually read your book and was able to connect to the dream and understand what I was dreaming a little bit more just by reading your book. Oh, well, that's very happy news for me. I love <laughs> to hear. No, I really mean it because I have a very down-to-earth approach and it makes me feel just so happy inside to hear the sound or, the, or see the face of a dreamer who has connected to their dream. It's unbelievable to me. 45 yeah. years later, I still feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, well, I find it to be a very fascinating subject. I've always been interested in dreams. In fact, I've had a couple of dream books where I dream something and look up the meaning of them, and they were pretty superficial. It wasn't until I read your book that I began to understand what my dreams were really trying to tell me, that they really had a definite meaning, and they were linked to my subconscious. So. Yeah. Um, so when I came to that conclusion, I analyzed that dream and I came to that conclusion, well, I was very excited. Now that I've gotten a little bit older, I don't seem to dream as often. Maybe I don't sleep as deeply. I, I'm not sure. But when I do have a dream, I don't really remember it. So how do you analyze a dream when you're not really dreaming or you don't remember a dream? We sort of touched on that when we first started talking, but can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Well, you don't have to remember because you're problem solving anyway. If you want to quit that job, you're going to quit that job whether you remember your dreams or you don't. But you're going to get it faster if you do have dream recall. And, uh, you know, because then you, if you understand the language, you're going to problem solve faster. Because you, for example, you know for a fact right now that somewhere inside you, you appreciate that even though it's murky water sometimes, you're still alive and kicking. And you've got that message. 
And you would get that message anyway, but maybe you'd get it in three or four weeks. And now because you understood the dream, you've got that message now. And uh, the easiest way to remember a dream is intention. Make a decision that you want to remember a dream, and you probably will within a couple of days. Leave pen and paper beside the bed so you really have the intention, and uh, it'll happen for you, I promise. And now your book. In your book, I also read that you can ask yourself a question, and then hopefully you'll dream You'll have a dream that can help you answer that question. Even ask yourself for a dream with symbols that are easy for you to understand. And I, I just want to give you, um, I don't, I want to, I'm always worried to that a discussion shouldn't end before I've had an opportunity to step just a little bit deeper into the discussion. Would you like me to do that? Absolutely. And so when we come into the world, we come in whole. We have all this potential. We have a plethora of potential. We could be selfish, giving. We could be shy, assertive. Maybe you're a hero. Maybe you're a chicken. Maybe you were the comedian in the family, or were you the more serious person? And the people that bring us up teach us that it's more better to be one way than another way. So. I'll use myself as an example. I grew up with uh, European parents. I mean, my father was a European. My mom was from Montreal, but who cares? She was brought up by European people. And so she was just, you know, essentially, uh, I was brought up both by European parents. And my dad was such a wonderful guy, but he had a big temper. And when I was six or seven, if he was yelling at me, I could not look at him and say, excuse me, I don't like how you're talking to me, because I probably would have landed up in my bedroom. That was considered disrespectful. So I became um, what Frederick Pearls would have called under-invested in speaking up and over-invested in shutting up. We get our knee-jerk reactions, or what Freud would have called our habitual responses to life situations. They get formed in our childhood. And um, so for me in, in my life, and you'll find this out after you know me for a bit, there's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. For me, it's about appropriate or inappropriate. So if I'm 40, which really happened to me, when I was 40, I was studying at the Alfred Adler Institute. That was the same year my dad died. And I was exercising my voice, my underinvested side or I like to call it under-exercised. Carl Jung would have called it my shadow. I was working on finding my voice and exercising that ability that I have. And I had an argument with my husband, who's also very cute and sweet like my dad, and who also has a temper. And he raised his voice at me. And what did I do? Nothing. I did my knee-jerk reaction the same as if I was seven years old and with my dad. And we do that because uh, humans are very resistant to change. But that night I went to sleep and I dreamt about an aunt of mine who had already been gone for about 15 years. And using a symbol's point of entry, I asked myself very quickly, what are the first two or three things that come to my mind about her? And the first thing I said to myself is, 
she had such a big mouth. She was probably the most assertive person I ever met in my life. And so I needed to access, because I was doing nothing in my situation with Andy, my husband, I didn't respond appropriately. The guy is my equal. He's not my father. I'm not seven. I was 40. And that man is my equal. And so because I do nothing, my unconscious presents the antithesis, the most... The most assertive person I know appears in my dream because my unconscious is trying to pull me somewhere in the middle. And I know the lesson. I woke up the next morning and I said, Andy, please don't yell at me. It makes me feel like I'm six years old and with my dad again, and it hurts my feelings. So now I've been exercising that muscle, my voice, because I'm 66 today. So for 26 years, I have been exercising that ability, that potential I have to speak up. And I can tell you, I don't know, maybe some 20-something years ago, Andy stopped raising his voice at me. I mean, he hasn't raised his voice at me in well over 20 years. Because once you change your behavior, you also change the people around you, but you've done so by looking inside yourself. Right, right. Once you change your behavior, you get different reactions. You change your life. Yeah, he learned that doesn't work. Don't open up oh, a big yeah. mouth to me. Yeah, that's so interesting. That And you being able to analyze your dream came to that conclusion pretty quickly, I'm, I'm assuming. Now, I'm going to backtrack here a minute. We talked about repetition before, but people who keep having the same dream repeatedly over and over again, is that because they're not getting the message? Right, and because and because you can see if the re- repetition is happening happening over a short period of time, like if a dreamer says to me, "I've had that dream ten times in the last month," then I know that I'm going to want to be looking at how is the dreamer progressing on whatever the subject is. Like one guy that got booted out of the house of his girlfriend because basically he wasn't putting a ring on it. After three or four years, he was dreaming about a tornado. And then a couple of months later, where a tornado where he had no control. And a couple of months later, he dreamt about a tornado again. But this time it was a gentle tornado. And he was uh, looking around a lake about where he would land. And that was when he was back on the dating scene and more calm. So sometimes a repetitive image or circumstance you can see how you're moving along on a subject. And, and the, so you'll have a recurring dream over a short period of time, typically because you're working something out recent. And you might be using it as a point of reference. That's what you're doing. Um, or maybe there's something you are completely ignoring and sweeping and maybe the recurring dream is the same thing as a nightmare and it's trying to get your attention the dream in that case is the overreaction to your underreaction to some situation and i'll just finish by saying recurring dreams that happen over a lifetime are different because those are a favorite expression So my favorite expression is, oh, darn it, which it's not. It's worse than that, and it starts with an S. (laughs) But I could have said, oh, darn it, 50 years ago because I missed the bus. 
And I could have said, oh, darn it, five months ago, because I walked by my desk and papers fell all, all over the floor. And I could have said, oh, darn it, this morning, because I wasn't sure which Zoom address to find you at. So I'm still saying, oh, darn it, oh, darn it, but they're over a period of years. So once you find out what your favorite expression means, when you see that picture, you probably won't have it again. Speaking of which, it just popped into my mind. I think I read something into, in your book about play on words. I thought that was interesting. Can you explain that to us? Though that's my favorite, favorite point of entry. Because the same way as we use play on words and puns in our waking life, we surely use them constantly in our dreams, and they almost always make me laugh. So if I say to you, I was so embarrassed, I thought I was going to die. If you use language like that, you might go to sleep tonight and dream you're dying. And you're not dying, you're just processing how embarrassed you felt about something. Or the woman who said, there were snakes all over the floor, I couldn't put my foot down. And I said, why? Who are you having trouble putting your foot down with? Or, wow. or uh, another favorite is, oh, I had to go to the washroom, and I finally, found, um, I finally found a bathroom, and I went into the stall, but I couldn't get out of the stall. And I go, oh, yeah? <laughs> what are you stalling about? What are you stuck in the stall about? Yeah, I really enjoyed reading that part of your book. It, it, our minds are so clever. It seems like our minds when we're asleep are so much more creative than when we're awake sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> now, I'd kind of like to get your take on something else. Recently, or yesterday, I was talking to a friend. I was telling her about, we were talking about dreams, you know, because I knew I was going to have you on the show. And she was telling me about a dream she had when she was young, and it was a reoccurring dream. She'd dream of this little black dog. She could hear its footsteps coming towards her. It would jump up on the bed and jump and sit right on her chest, just sit there right on her chest, and she'd be paralyzed. She couldn't really get it off of her chest or move. She'd have what they now call, I think it's sleep paralysis. Is that, am I saying that right? Paralysis, is that the right word? Paralysis, right. Would that type of situation have anything to do with the subconscious? Well, the fact that, I, that I'm just going by the language, and I always, of course, much prefer to be speaking to the dreamer. Of course. Myself, but the fact that you said that the dog sits on her chest I would want to ask her, what do you think? Do you have something you need to get off your chest? Because okay. I think it's very, um, I like the word poignant. The fact that she has a paralysis with this thing that's on her chest. And that, if that was my dream, that would be me needing to say somebody something to somebody like I have something to get off my chest and I'm feeling a bit paralyzed. Right, right. You know, after talking to you, it seems so logical. But at the time, I couldn't make any sense out of the dream. When I see her again, we'll talk more about it. Anyway, moving right along, I want to ask you, are there different types of dreams? Now, why I'm asking you this is I've had several dreams in my life where I dream of a person 
of meeting a person, and then that person would come into my life, almost like a psychic dream. And then I know there's another type of dream that they refer to as a lucid dream. Do you have any information that you could share with us about those two types of dreams or any other type of dream? Well, I happen to be, like, I look at dreams from a psychological perspective, but that being said, I happen to be a spiritual person as well. So, for example, if I dream about my dad, like, I have uh, lovely daughters, I have two lovely granddaughters, um, crazy about my husband, and when I have to travel on a business trip, you know, it's not my maternal side that I need to access. I need to access that male business side of myself to leave the kids and and uh, Andy and get on the plane. And I might dream about my dad because he represents that business male side of myself, as opposed to me dreaming about my mom who was a stay-at-home mom. So I, but but how do you and I know that uh, you know, and I might dream about my father because that's the part of myself I need to access at this time. But how do you and I know that my father's not also really visiting me? He very well might be visiting me. So I think that we are very sophisticated. I think we are multitasking. And even though when I hear a dream, I'm, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, can I share, a, I'll just share a dream with you. Yeah. That one woman dreamed that she was um, in a hotel uh, looking for shelter. That was her language, looking for shelter. And she ran into the Talk family. That, and that's really the name of the family is T-O-C-K, Talk. And she uh, realized that she knows the Talk family from years ago where she used to go to camp. And she wasn't even, I mean, the boys, the Talk family boys were much younger than her. She was a counselor at this camp. But that's the same place where she met her boyfriend at that camp. So we're so sophisticated that the memory of the Talk family is linking her to the boyfriend who she needed to talk to. And she's looking for shelter because she was worried about speaking up. And she wanted to feel safe that she could say what she really needs to say and that it would be safe, that he's not going to break off with her because she wants to be honest about her feelings. And so she took the message of the dream and realized that she needed to talk and went and spoke to her boyfriend. This was in 1997, but but it's a great example because about three weeks after she had that dream, the ice storm happened in upstate New York and Montreal. And the the power was out for over a month. And um, after a month of not having any power, she had to go to look for a hotel. And she went to this hotel and ran into the Talk family looking for a room, looking for shelter. Wow. Isn't that great? So that, that proves that we are using memories from the past, the present, and sometimes the future, but still in order to problem solve something that's happening today. Because her issue was about talking to the boyfriend, and yet she used an image from the future. Because I'm sure that we have ESP. We're only using, what is it, 5 or 10% of our brain? Yeah, yeah. 
So why not, if we're only using five or 10% of our brain, what I say is, why not consult your whole mind when you have to make a life decision? You, you know, you want to be able, and you have access to your whole mind through your dreams. Right. We have this amazing ability that most of us don't even know how to tap into. Now, I might be getting a little off track here, but, uh, well, you know, as I've gotten older, like I said, I, I don't remember my dreams as much. I don't dream as deeply. But when I was younger, and especially when I was going through a lot of emotional stuff, I would have really quite vivid dreams. Um, the years that I spent being single, especially. And that seems to be the time when I have more psychic dreams or I'm more psychic or intuitive. For an example, years ago, before I married the second time, when I was dating, I met a man who I had a very strong connection to. And um, we had met on our first date. And I felt the connection pretty much right away with this guy. And, and I went home that night and I had this like bizarre, weird dream. I mean, it was almost scary. And it was so funny because the next day on the phone when I spoke with him, he said to me out of the clear blue, I had the weirdest dream. And then when we got into it a little deeper, we realized that we had exactly the same dream. Now, to make a long story short, that relationship was very volatile. And it did not end well. And it left me in a whole different state of mind. But during that time, I had psychic abilities. I had more psychic abilities, more psychic experiences, and very vivid dreams. Now, I realize that this probably isn't your area of expertise. I'd love to hear your thoughts about people having exactly the same dreams. Uh-huh. Well, and, I, you know, there's always the flip side of that coin is, uh, is that do you have more psychic dreams because you just said that you have more psychic dreams. So is it that when you're in a relationship that you open yourself to that ability that you have to uh, synchronicity? I think so. I, maybe so. Maybe I'm opening myself up and maybe that's why I have more of a psychic. Yeah. And uh, I, I've heard of that before. And I, I know there's some people that uh, study that like uh, I, uh, Linda Lane Megallion. I know she, uh, loves that stuff, and and I think she even wrote a book on it. But so there's a, you can look at dreams from various different ways. I have a problem solving perspective, a problem solving psychological perspective, and the reason that I have that is because for me, uh, in the second book, I don't even golf, but in the second book, I call it playing a different game on the back nine, because I spent the first forty years responding to situations and people the way my parents taught me is the is the way to respond and i am hopefully spending the next 40 years taking it back i'm taking back all the parts of myself including my ability to speak up for myself which wasn't welcomed in the family that i grew up in So you take back all the parts of yourself and you are not stuck. You unstick yourself from those boring, habitual responses to life situations. I mean, do you really want to respond to people and situations at 50 the same way as you were responding when you were 20? It's boring. You want to be able to grow. And that's what Jung called individuation 
and what Freud called maturation. It's the act of loving your parents for who they were, no blame, no blame there, but you want to be able to access a grab bag of potential responses that you can exercise and it puts you in a very powerful comfort and flexible flexible uh, situation when you're deciding how you want to respond to people and situations in your life. It's fun. Really, it really is. It's so fun and it's so interesting. And today I want to thank you. You've given us you've given us some great examples of um the six points of entry when interpreting your dreams or analyzing your dreams. I think we covered five of those. The last one is action. But I don't think we're going to have time for that because I really want to know more about you and how you got involved in doing this. How did you get involved in becoming a a dream analyst? Well, it came about first because I'm a person who has vivid dream recall and I have since I'm a little girl. And I had the kind of dad who you come, who would come in in the middle of the night when I had a nightmare. And instead of saying to me, oh, it was just a dream, go back to sleep. He would say to me, good, tell me the dream. <laughs> and, then, and then he would say, and we would take time and I could tell him my whole dream. And then bef- when it was time to go back to sleep, he would say to me, now you're going to say to yourself, I'm going to have a dream. I'm going to have a nightmare. Bring it on, bring it on. And that kind of an attitude, which was so wonderful, really got my interest and curiosity always happening about dreams. And when I turned 21, about two weeks after I turned 21, I had my first of four daughters, Tina, who was born with Down syndrome. And uh, she's, she uh, passed away a couple of years ago. But uh, so I had a crisis. And I, it's absolutely remarkable to me, and I'm saying this 46 years later, the lifelong decision-making that I was able to do through the analysis of my dreams. And I was so shocked and stunned by the uh, sophistication of our unconscious that I, I started studying it like a maniac. I, uh, you know, I studied uh, Jung, uh, Freud, Jung, Adler, and Pearls uh, over the next uh, 45 years. 45 years of studying. And so, and I teach the, uh, the counseling students dream analysis at Concordia University here in Montreal. And uh, my site, as I had said earlier, is haveagreatdream.com. Wow, brilliant. Quite impressive. I think I came to it the way I was supposed to come to it. Exactly. It was predestined for you. And it sounds like you've that you were able to find your destiny right away. Right. Well, a fascinating topic. And you're a brilliant woman. And uh, I appreciate you being on the show today. Before we go, tell us about your books, or you've written two books. Tell us uh, what the titles of your books are. And uh, let us know where we can find them. Yes, and they're both called Have a Great Dream. The first one is like something like a hundred pages and I'm including the pictures (laughs) because it's just to teach you how to do it. Why did I have that dream last night? How do I find the solution? Thank you very much. And the second book is called Have a Great Dream, book two, a deeper discussion. And that's for those of you out there 
that want to know more and want to get involved in a deeper discussion about those life-changing decisions that you can make like I did. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because the rest of my life up until now has been filled with some very unusual and trying circumstances, um, including um, cancer and um, blended family and divorce and all kinds of stuff that happens to all of us. But the point is, it's unbelievable what your dreams can give you. You wake up with the best psychologist in the world, right in the bed with you every morning. And I am very pleased that I happened to pawn you, that I had you on the show today, and that I read your books, because they have really helped me a lot. Would the listeners be able to find your books on Amazon? Where can we find your books? Oh, yeah. They're Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And uh, if you want the easy link, go to haveagreatdream.com, and you'll see the link. And I have uh, the links to... Uh, uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And if you're in Canada chapters, I have all the places where you can buy the books. Right. And so for your convenience, all those links are posted in the show notes. So if you are listening someplace where you can get the show notes, you can just click on those links right now in the show notes and check out Lainey's books while you're listening to the show. Lainey, let's just say it one more time before we close out the show. Where can people find you? You can go to haveagreatdream.com. And that's because even and especially nightmares, all dreams are great. <laughs> all dreams are great. All right. Well, you can leave us with that unless you have something else you'd like to share with us today. No, I'm good. All right. Thank you so much for being on. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. You too, Deanna. Thank you so much. You're welcome.